1: Welcome back to another exciting, action-packed "Talking Lamar. This episode, we're talking turtles. Not just any turtles, teenage mutant ninja turtles. What are you talking about? What are
2: you talking about? Sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. What are you talking
1: about?
3: I am talking to you. That's just what I was talking about. It's Talking Lamar.
1: You know, if you've got kids 40 or below, you know exactly what we're talking about, them dang turtles that's all over your house, Everywhere you turn, everywhere you step. And this has been going on forever. In the early 80s, a guy named Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, two guys, they were messing around, drawing comics, and they came up with turtles that stood upright, and they were trained in ninjutsu. Now, this was supposed to be a parody of superhero comics. They were actually making fun of stuff like Daredevil and all this kind of stuff. And they messed around with it, and the first issue was published in 1984, and it was a big surprise success. And in 1987, Eastman and Laird licensed the characters to Playmates Toys. Now, I don't know what Playmates Toys was doing before they got a hold of this turtle thing, but I can imagine their stock went way up because they developed the action figures, and between 1988 and 1992, Think of those years, they sold $1.1 billion worth of these toys. Wow. That's a lot, okay? It made them the third best-selling toy figures ever at that time. I know Barbie would have probably been first. I don't know who was second. But, I mean, they they were big time. And they came out with an animated series in 1987, and it ran for 10 years. And the first film they released in 1990 became the highest grossing independent film up to that point. That's pretty big deal for that something that, that started off. I mean, that's
0: just, that just took my yeah. breath away. I didn't know that that's outrageous.
1: And listen, listen, when, when, they, when they come out with the movie, when they come out with a movie, they thought, well, we're really popular. This is no big problem. But, <laughs> The problem was Masters of the Universe, which was another me and my kids. We watched Masters of the Universe, you know, Grayskull, blah, blah, blah. We watched all that. (laughs) And they had come out with a movie and it flopped. So Disney wouldn't touch it. Columbia, Warner Brothers. uh, They all passed on the movie. So they had to get an independent to do it. And it turned out that it was a huge, huge hit. Now. They they did video games. Uh, when they did when when Konami did the video games, they sold four million copies right off the bat. Made it one of their best selling games. I mean, it was just it was just crazy money. It was crazy money. And Laird uh, had bought out his partner, and so in two thousand and nine, he sold the franchise to Viacom, and he said he had gotten tired of working on turtles. And writing, he said, I'm no longer that guy who carries his sketchbook around with him and draws at every, you know, he had lost the passion for it. But right. Money would never be a problem. I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I don't even you know, know why I hung out that long. My, my, uh,
2: <laughs> my, my grandmother uh, got away with a lot. Um She never really embraced the grandchildren, you know, as far as taking them for the weekend and all of that. But way back then, before television and amazing cartoons and movies there was nothing that kids could buy that was associated with a tv show or a movie really i mean maybe some roy rogers uh, gear you know some yeah yeah yeah, s-
1: yeah that's
2: that was about it and that stuff was kind of cheap right so yep. that whole generation really dodged the bullet of having to come up with big bucks <gasps> in order to uh, please the kids.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, we will take a break, and I'm going to tell you how they kept going and how they never lost what they had. You know, the Turtles have had all the success with all the comics and, and some of the movies and stuff. So they started a live-action series in 1997, and it was they were on a budget, and so... It, it, they just didn't have the same pizzazz with their stuff, and they made guest appearances on Power Rangers. They did all this stuff. They was canceled after one year, so that they that they took a little bit of a nosedive. But then they came back in 2003 through 2009, and they got back on. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Fox place with all the kids and all the stuff. And they yeah. s- sort of changed. They started off as a darker comic. They're they're sort of like uh, Batman was, a, a darker comic. Originally, they were four ninja assassins, okay? They were assassins. But they started to soften it up for TV for kids. And that was one of the things that the guys that first wrote this They sort of didn't like that because they they, that was not their original form, but whoever softened it up for kids was a genius because kids is what buys that stuff. So you've got to reach those six, seven, eight, nine. You got to get those kids, and so that's what the 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 comic uh, not comics but the animated uh, shows were doing, and so that kept them alive and it kept the marketing. Because you're still, I don't remember a time of walking in a toy store in my entire life since my kids were small. And the last time I've walked in a toy store, there's always Ninja Turtle stuff there. It's always, always. there. That's always. true. Always. Yeah, I mean, that's they, very true. They, they, they've they made it. I mean, they, they really have. And what was funny, when they made their first live action movie, they knew that this was going to be sort of tough with the costumes and stuff. So they go to Jim Henson's Creature Shop, and they get Jim Henson's people to make those costumes. So you've got a guy inside the costume and he was a martial artist, you know, so he was doing all the jumping and kicking and whatever, but you had two other people. One ran the eyes and one ran the mouth. So you had three people operating those things. Wow! Now, you know that had to be, you know, and being inside, oh, the one guy, One they interviewed this one guy, and he said he had to drink a gallon of water every day that he was he sweated so much that it was just un yeah i mean so this was a lot it was a lot going on and one of the things i found out when i was doing some research is the foot clan if you're a big teenage turtle fan the foot clan was who they were after they were the villains and whatever one guy he was like the head thug okay everybody else wore masks but he didn't always wear a mask and turns out it was a young sam rockwell Yeah, I I love Sam (laughs) (laughs) Rockwell. And he was was absolutely awesome. I mean, he, he was awesome at it. So, I mean, this thing has been going and going and going. And now they're fixing to come out with another TV show this year, right after the movie. They're going to dovetail right back into it. So I think they're going to be with us forever. I don't know if they're ever going away.
2: I'm so I, surprised because I thought, as as we were talking uh, another time, it, it's such a bizarre thing. I mean, sure, Superman is bizarre, but, y- you know, you can kind of relate. He's the man. He's a man of steel. You, you can relate to some of the superheroes. <laughs> but yeah. just the concept of the turtles is so bizarre. I thought it was going to be a flash in the pan.
0: But you know what I think? Like, I agree. When it, when they first came out, I was like, this is hilarious. This won't last, right? But I think what made the turtles, their the characters are really distinctive. Each of the turtles has a distinct character and personality. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the writing—that's true. Yeah,
1: the, the
0: the writing has always been. Storylines have always been
1: great. And let's don't forget, let's don't forget the guy that raised them, that found them, Splinter the rat. He's a mutant rat. Okay, so he is the guy that taught them ninjutsu and all this kind of stuff, and he's a rat, and he was, he was voiced by Jackie Chan in this. It was great. I mean, it, it, it was great.
0: Every, every era and every generation gets the hero that it most needs. And millennials, millennial kids needed the Teenage <laughs> Mutant Ninja Turtles.
3: I, I was telling Lamar, I auditioned for one of the sequels to the original movie that came out in 1990. So what I did, yeah. So what I had to do was I got finished with working on the Bob and Sherry show and I had Uh four hours to get to my destination for the audition. So I had to drive four hours and then turn around and just come home. And I was like a speed demon to get there. And I was so amped up by the time I went in and it was to be a cop. I don't remember. I I did. I didn't actually see the movie, so I don't know what part I missed out on. Anyhow, so I go into the audition. I do the audition. I walk out the door. I go around back, and I'm so nervous, I threw up. And as I finished barfing, one of the casting people came around to tell me that he thought I did good in the audition. Oh, no kidding. But I didn't, but as it turned out, I didn't get the part. But that was a oh, period of wow. time where I would get up. I was, you know, I was getting up an O Dark 30 to work on the show. Then I would go yeah. on these auditions that were four hours away and then drive home. So wow. anyhow, wow. so that's my you, little you didn't, connection. Obviously,
2: you did well as an actor. They were just looking for somebody else
3: with a different physical. They just wanted somebody a- to be the termite guy, which was my big acting claim to fame. So. You know, <laughs> yeah, <right>. Max...
0: <laughs> I think it's really important that you just shared this story because if you're listening right now and you have have show business dreams or you have a kid with show business dreams, one of the biggest truths that you have to accept is that sometimes you didn't get the part just because they were looking for somebody taller, shorter, younger, older, or with freckles. You could have turned in the best performance. You're amazing. But they needed somebody shorter with freckles. The amount of rejection that you get as an actor, a singer, a model, a dancer, any of those things is so brutal. It's soul
3: crushing at times. <laughs> it really is. Cause you go, I'm j i am should not I shouldn't I shouldn't be trying this. I shouldn't be
1: But I, you have I'm, to be able to take it. You, you do have to.
3: Yeah. Because it's going to happen over and over and over. And the other thing is, is you realize that anybody that's made it, they did it because they were dedicated. Nobody handed them anything. Anything. They they were willing to do things like drive four hours for an audition. Yeah, There's no
1: overnight success. There's no such thing. It's an overnight success that took 10 years of rejection and hard work to get there. That's what that is. And can
0: I tell you guys, so there's a great Twitter account. If you're on Twitter, X, Twix, Twex, whatever we're calling it. Um, follow an account called All the Right Movies. They do these deep dives on films and it'll be like a 20 um, tweet thread, but they'll take you behind the scenes on Alien or Mission Impossible or The Godfather or whatever, right? And one of the things that you learn are all the actors that are big stars or, or people you know that are really talented that auditioned for these iconic parts and didn't get it right? So you look at like Matt Damon or um, Renee Zellweger, right? You look at Selena Gomez and you think, well, once you make it, that's it. The world is yours and you get everything you want. Your phone always rings. And then Mm. you go behind the scenes on a lot of these big movies and TV shows and you realize all of the people who wanted it so badly. The number of things that Bob Odenkirk didn't get before he was cast as Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad and then in his spinoff, Better Call Saul. He didn't get more jobs than you could than you could sit here and list. He auditioned and didn't get them f af- one after the next and his after the talent. Next.
3: He has incredible talent. Incredible he, he, talent. Uh, right? He auditioned for Michael Scott, the part of Michael Scott in the office.
0: Didn't get it. He'd be good at you that, know? actually. The the number of people I read um I read a deep dive on the movie Inception, which ended up starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Michael Caine and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The number of people that auditioned for those parts, the the, like, Oscar-level, A-plus, top-tier talent that didn't get the gig. So you you, you can't take it personally. And Max, you know, the Lord did not let you play a cop in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But look at you right here on talking Lamar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least I what know. else do you want, my Listen, friend? What I, else I do you want? I don't have success, but I have a really
3: great story. So there.
2: <laughs> That's right. Hey, I went on one audition. One audition as an actor in my whole life. I was 22. I weighed about 120 pounds. And the agency said, hey, we'd like you to come out and audition. we got an audition today. I went, really? And I thought, huh. Because there was a movie production company in the town I was in. And I went out and I opened the door to where all the people were auditioning, all men, of course. And all of the uh, guys were like in their 50s and 60s. And some of them had like uh, little white beards. And a lot of them had white hair. And I'm going, hmm, and I went, what is this audition for? And they said, um, we're looking for somebody in the commercial to play Uncle Sam. And, <laughs> but, you know, I, I hung around, and I gave it a shot anyway. You, you know, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you, okay, it's so a you were yeah. at 120 pounds looking like a middle schooler, you weren't right, right for Uncle Sam. No, right? no. But if you point. had just gone a couple doors down the hall and auditioned for, like, I don't know. I, Carly, who knows how life could have been different for
3: you.
2: That's right. That's exactly right.
0: Hey,
1: one more final fact you may not know. That theme song that gets stuck in your head, Chuck Lorre wrote that theme song.
0: Chuck Lorre wrote the ninja? Damn, that man is a fountain of talent, isn't he?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable. And once it's in your head, it's in your head. You can't get rid of it. It stays and stays and stays.
0: I can't wait to see it, Lamar. Like you, when I saw the trailer for it, I, because I, I know Kevin won't go, I turned to my husband and said, you can stay home and watch like ESPN. I'm going to the Ninja Turtle movie.
1: <laughs> well, you won't be disappointed. And on that note, we're going to shut down this episode of Talking Lamar. Thank everybody for your listening. And now you've got more information about the Ninja Turtles than you ever thought you needed. Thank y'all very much for listening. We had a great time. Hope you did too. If you didn't, don't give up. Come on back next time. You may find something you like.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.